Hi, this is Randy, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Beth, and I'm going to be talking about real Christmas trees, specifically fir trees. Fun. This is Cole, and I'm going to be talking about nativity plays and programs that are put on around this time of year. And this is Sydney, and I will be talking about what we do for Christmas cards this time of year. Awesome. We are recording this episode on December 1st, just after Thanksgiving and just after Beth's mom, Amal's, visit to us uh, for this past week. So what holiday happenings do we have this past week? All kinds of fun stuff. We did. We had Thanksgiving on Thursday. That was very fun. We did our typical things for the day. We uh, watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We watched the dog show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Which is tradition for a lot of people. And it the, is. Uh, bulldog one, the, some kind of bulldog. Thor. Yeah, Thor. Spoiler. Was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, if you didn't have time to DVR the dog show, or if you haven't uh, had a chance to go back and watch your recorded dog show. That's right. Our niece, Michaela, got to participate in the uh, Thanksgiving parade in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. So although there were some glitches in trying to watch it live or right afterwards, eventually we were able to see pictures of her and some videos of her. So that was very awesome for her for that day as well. And that led into the big Thanksgiving meal as always. We actually had Two turkeys, a big one and a little one this year, and um, that was very fun. Um, That way we could send leftovers home with my mom. Right, because she didn't make one at her place this year. That led into Thursday night, which is the pre-Black Friday night. Yeah. Yeah, and um, in the past, you guys have gone out Thursday night in the past, haven't you? I think maybe once Yeah, I think we did once too, but I really don't like it, Mm -mm. personally. I know a lot of people do. Yeah, this was the first uh, first time that I didn't have to work on Thanksgiving evening. Um, so I was looking forward to hanging out at home, but then I had a couple friends say, hey, do you want to go out? Um, and me, being social, uh, of course, wanted to go out. So we went out Thanksgiving evening, I think left at around 8.30 or so, um, or rather I left at around 8.30 or so to meet up with them. Um, and we just kind of, we didn't go as far as you guys usually go for your Black Friday shopping. We went, um, to a city about 30, 40 minutes away, went around the mall there. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't actually very crowded. Hmm. Um, and there was barely any shelves that were empty, but there were still a lot of good sales there. So I thought that was interesting that there wasn't necessarily a, a huge rush. There were a lot of people at Target but all of them are packed into the electronics section, so it was pretty easy to, oh, that's to walk around and enjoy yourself a enjoy little bit. Enjoy the rest of the store. Yeah. Yeah, and I uh, I just went for the social aspect. I didn't. Uh, I don't really like shopping unless I see something that is really good. It's interesting with Black Friday. We went, we got up then early, really On early. Friday. <clears throat> Friday morning. Yeah, but we, um, me, Sydney, Beth, and Randy... Right. Yeah, that, that was not four of us. That was three of us. Yes. Right. yes. The me I, uh, Sydney was Sydney. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I stayed home on Friday. Right. Went out with uh, with Amal, with Beth's mom, and we had a nice lunch at Cracker Barrel. Nice long lunch. Yes. It took nice. a while for the food to come. Yeah. So we um, went to a bit further away. We always start at Macy's, 
And when we get there, there, there are so few people because we, we got there, I think, a little after 6 a.m. And by the time we left, it was really getting packed full. But, uh, but I love that going in with so few people and just being able to relax and shop around and enjoy that time. And it's always fun. We always enjoy Black Friday. It, it's harder if you do want something specific. But if you're just shopping around and seeing what grabs your eye. Right. So we started out... Um we, we kind of drive for a while, about an hour or so away, and then we kind of work our way back into town. And so we go, we shop, then we go out for like a late brunch at Cracker Barrel usually, and then we come back into town, shop locally, and then probably about, um, when it gets about dark is when we end up getting back. We ended up with a situation where it was going to be uh, cold and snowy and, and sleet and ice up towards where best mom lives on sunday which was the day we were going to take her um halfway up to uh, meet um our nephew and exchange her uh, <laughs> we um so we ended up doing a day early because of this impending bad weather on sunday which right. it sounds like which is today is actually happening it so did. it's a good thing we did but that made us have to move our christmas tree searching to saturday morning early so beth and i by ourselves got up really early Rode up to um, the Moose Apple Farm place that we go to because it's the only place we know of within driving distance that has tall Fraser firs. Right. So we got there, I'd say pretty early, probably around 10 ish. We got there on Saturday morning. So the first day of being open was Friday. We got there and we, we walked through kind of this was our second or third time there. We knew kind of what to do, where the, fra- the tall Fraser firs were. Got there, we said, send us to your tallest Fraser firs. So he said, "Here's well, here's the ones I have. And he pointed to three. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you can pick from any of these three. Yeah. We're like, really, three? He said, yeah, it was a madhouse on Black Friday, yep. which was the 30th of November. Yep. And it was so bad that the trees were kind of cleared out. People knew that the weather was going to be bad, so they kind of compressed their shopping day. So we ended up getting um, a shorter one than normal. It was about 10 feet tall. Right. And we were looking for a 12-foot. And we were looking for and a 12-foot. And there were foot. no 12-foots left. No. Ten, that was the tallest one they had, was 10 feet. Yeah. Um, so we've been in the process of putting the lights on and that, that sort of thing. So it's ready now to be decorated. So that's what we'll be doing after um, the podcast is putting the ornaments and finishing touches on it. But it was good to get that uh, Christmas tree buying done and out of the way. Yeah, early. As early as possible. Right. Now we have a, quite a number of artificial trees up in the house that we had done a little earlier we like to um, decorate before my mom gets here so she can enjoy the holiday decorations with us but the real tree we have to wait until after thanksgiving so that it's still alive by christmas time now christmas trees often become the focal point of the holiday decor ours is in our family room which has very high ceilings and we always purchase a fraser fir if you're not familiar with different Christmas trees, you wonder, how do I choose? Some people go into a Christmas tree farm, just walk around, see something they like, and boom, that's what they get. When the kids were little, we went into some different ones, and Sydney, the first one Sydney would see, she'd fall in love with. That's right. (laughs) And then when we wouldn't get it, because it was scraggly or short or something, she would cry. And that was a couple years. (laughs) But we kept taking them back with us, <laughs> and we found that we really liked, ultimately, this one kind of tree. 
So there's a lot of factors to consider. There's the variety of the tree, the fragrance, the shape of the tree, the color, the shape of the needles, whether they have sharp or soft needles, and the sturdiness of the branches. There are probably others, but those are some that come to mind for me. So I'm going to break it down a little bit. You can get pine, you can get spruce, or you can get fir tree. What's the difference? A pine tree has twigs that have needles in groups of two, three, or five. So if you see that, it's a pine. You can be pretty sure it's a pine. Now, spruce and fir trees carry their needles singly, individually. So for spruce, they have individual needles that are stiff and pointy with sharp edges, which are owie. Yeah, think of a porcupine. Right. And the needles roll easily between your fingertips. For fir trees, they also grow singly, individually on the branch, but the needles are soft and flat and do not roll easily between your fingertips. Right, because they're flat. Right, exactly. So if you're wondering, hey, I'm pretty sure I have a spruce or a fir. Which kind does it? Pull off a needle, either (laughs) pull off a needle and see if it rolls easily or not fur or or um, spruce or poke your friend with it or just stick your hand in there if it's owie <laughs> it is not a fir tree it is a spruce and the second thing to look at in a christmas tree is the shape i was as i was doing research i saw different two different shapes that were commonly referred to and it was pyramid or conical and it was interesting because i didn't i wasn't sure what that difference was Turns out there's really not a difference. A conical is just a little slimmer than the pyramid. The pyramid has a fatter bottom. <laughs> okay. So it's the same basic shape. Yep. One is just a little more thick than the other one. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, one of the things I could say. Today I'm going to go over the fir trees, which seem to be the most popular types of Christmas trees that people purchase at Christmas time. The balsam, Fraser, and Douglas firs seem to be the three that rise to the top among all the tree types. They move around between first, second, and third place in popularity, depending on which article you're looking at and what comparisons they're doing. Oh. I know. I thought that was interesting. So I'm going to go down through those three. Um, The balsam fir, um, the strongest advantage of it is that it's very fragrant. It has a symmetrical pyramid shape. It's durable, dense, dark green it doesn't lose its needles easily it's often used for christmas wreaths and if you think about it the scent is often used for candles you also you often would as you're going through the candle section see the balsam scent now the the caution or the cons is that it's not great for heavy ornaments because the branches are so flexible Mm. and it will dry out quickly so you have to make sure to, to keep the water levels going when you say balsam, I always think of the company Balsam Hills, which sells yeah. Christmas trees, which are often used in Hallmark movies. Yeah. And they'll advertise in Hallmark movies. And I've looked, Randy and the kids really love real trees, so we always get a real tree for the family room. But I, I'm always looking up prices for artificial Fraser fir 12-foot trees, and they are so incredibly expensive. From the expensive. company Balsam Hills. Exactly. So, so Ballpark, then, like... How expensive are we? About $1,800. Well, and that's on sale. On sale. Yeah. It's a little steep. (laughs) Like like the tree. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So an interesting fact. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) So an interesting fact is that the tree was named for the balsam or resin found in the blisters of the bark. 
It was used to treat wounds during the Civil War. Mm. Oh, didn't know that. That was interesting. Fraser furs are the next one I'm going to talk about. Yay. Yay, these are our favorite. And according to Southern Living, this has just made me laugh. Within the fleet of Christmas tree types, this is definitely the Rudolph. Oh. <laughs> the most so popular... Made fun of a misfit? No, no. I'm going to finish reading oh, okay. what I said. Okay. I'm not allowed to play any Christmas tree games. <laughs> That's right. The most popular, most dependable, and arguably most loved. So this is Southern Living is all about Fraser Fur. It went to the top of the list. Mm. So like the balsam, this is a very fragrant tree. It has a conical shape with branches that angle slightly upward. And the branches are very sturdy and can hold heavy ornaments. It's often also used for holiday decor. The caution is that it will dry out quickly, so be sure to check your water levels, especially early on so it doesn't drop its needles. If hydrated correctly, they can last up to six weeks. So they're very, they're very dependable. An interesting fact is that it takes seven to ten years to grow a six to seven foot Fraser fir. Isn't that interesting? Isn't the Fraser the one that's used most in the White House? Um, I didn't come across that information, but I do remember hearing Fraser first were in the White House. I don't know what the the latest things are, um, but they do only grow at high altitudes. We live in Virginia, so when we go to purchase our Fraser first, they are only pre-cut. We we don't have the option unless we want to go into the high altitudes to get it to, to cut our own. So there's your balsam and your Fraser, and the last is the Douglas. And I've kind of been. Um, wondering the Douglas I hear a lot about those are two great things about it it's easy and it's interesting (laughs) (laughs) it's a very popular tree Mm -hmm. it's very easy to find so like the balsam and the Fraser it's also a very fragrant tree it's known for its pyramid shape that is very full and dense so it's good for big rooms Mm -hmm. and the Douglas firs make up nearly half of all the Christmas trees grown in the U.S. So that's pretty significant. There's a lot of different varieties of trees out there. So half of them are Douglas firs, which is why they're so common. Right. So that's not even just half of firs. That's half of Christmas trees. Right. Exactly. Uh, The caution for this is that it can't hold heavy ornaments well. They're also, the branches are a little too flexible for that. So if you have light ornaments, this might be the one for you. An interesting fact is the tree was named after botanist David Douglas, who studied the tree in the 1800s. So it wasn't until the 1800s that it got its popular name. Very interesting. Now I'm going to go through three of the not top firs, but three that people also really like. The first one of these is the noble fir. You probably have heard of that. The This has the classic pyramid Christmas tree shape with evenly spaced branches. It's very fragrant. It has sturdy branches that angle slightly upward. That's what the Fraser fir also has. And it can hold heavy ornaments like the Fraser firs. It's long-lasting, and it grows in the Pacific Northwest. The next one is the conkler. This is a fir tree that our friends Eric and Trish usually purchase. It's also called the white fir, but that's not to be confused with the white pine, which is also a popular but very different Christmas tree. So this comes by two names. This has a medium fragrance, and many describe it as more citrus-scented than pine-scented. But the fragrance lasts throughout the season. The branches are very sturdy and can hold heavy ornaments. They have good needle retention. And it takes a long time to grow them, and they can be more expensive. Now, I don't have as many facts about some of these 
because the first three were on just about every website I looked at. Um, these are were not, I was compiling information from maybe a couple websites depending on which it was. The last is the Canaan fir. It is referred to as a hybrid of the balsam and Fraser firs. It has fantastic needle retention. That fantastic was in one of the websites. <laughs> I don't know for sure personally, but I thought it, it was a very interesting way to describe it. So it has fantastic needle retention. It's native to the mountains of West Virginia, and it's newer among the Christmas tree varieties. How do you spell it? C-A-N-A-A-N, like Canaan in the Bible. So there you go. So there, there are five firsts. There are many more. There's like a grand fur. I don't even... I'm, I have like furs in my head now because I've been looking at so many things. So there are quite a variety out there. You can Google more. Next week, I'll go through the spruce and pine trees. I'm looking forward to the spruce because that's what my dad would get when we were kids. And that's what I learned. That's the kind of tree that I learned to put the lights on based on. Because my hands, <laughs> I recall my hands being all prickly and painful yeah. after putting the, the lights on that tree. Yeah. Because it's so, um, the, the needles are so sharp and the, they're very stiff. One of the websites had SSS. They said, think of scotch. Um, I'm sorry, think of spruce trees as SSS. It was like sharp, spiny scotch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. If you wanted a little something to remember, whether or not you want she the jaggy. a little, yeah. <laughs> the jaggy trees. A uh, little acronym. Right. For, is it acronym? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a little acronym. Um, but it's interesting. The Christmas tree really is the center, mm-hmm. like the focal point of the house in, yes. uh, in the U.S. But when I was uh, reading about nativities, in a lot of other countries, the nativity is the center of the house like mm-hmm. in italy sort of there's the nativity when we say nativity there's kind of two different things we can think of and even earlier when i said nativity we were me and mom were thinking of two different things right um because you could be talking about the play that people will put on right um a lot of times with live animals uh and people playing the parts of right. you know the story of jesus going birth going to bethlehem and uh, and all that. Or you can think of the little figure, they call it a crib, but the figurines. Right. Um, the nativity set. The nativity set. Right. So the uh, first nativity drama was uh, in the old Greek church, um, which goes back to the 13th, 12th century in Greece, in the Byzantine Empire, which was uh, Greece and Anatolia, what we know as Turkey today. Um, so it was St. Francis of Assisi who performed the first midnight mass on Christmas Eve, 1223, in front of a life-sized nativity scene. I and, did not know that St. Francis did that. That's interesting. Yeah. And the first, because uh, we were just talking about this sort of off the air, the nativity scene, um, you knew it as... Crutch. As the crutch, um, but it's also referred to as the crib. Yeah, this isn't just like Joseph's crib. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's not the It would be God, God's crib. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah. But it was built by Giovanni Lolita with live animals. And a lot of people say that this is the first nativity play or nativity drama. But more formal nativity plays have been featured in Christian worship since the Middle Ages. So... It's actually been something that's been very common throughout history, beginning with this uh, 
early Byzantine church. So to kind of get into what the nativity is and what it means. So the nativity play is a kind of a small drama which tells the story typically of an angel coming to Mary and telling her that uh, she's going to give birth to the son of God and then them going, her and her husband Joseph, going to Bethlehem and having to stay in a stable because there's no room in the inn. A lot of the shepherds from nearby see an angel that tells them to go to the stable and also three men from the east following a star to find the child. So a lot of that is typically bunched together into one scene at the end with the stable. The wise men weren't at the stable, sort of historically, but because they have become an important part of the drama. They're usually depicted there, both in the nativity drama and in the nativity set, which is put out for decoration around this time. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the nativity drama, it can be done many different ways, but I think the most traditional way is a single living scene. Yeah. Where you see this these elements. So they don't necessarily go through the whole story every time um, in the sense of people coming in and out of the scene. But the scene is kind of read through while you have the, the main event of the scene in front of you. Kind of the culmination of those pieces coming in front of you. And that's the part that's the living scene. Now, I have seen it other places and churches where as you drive through an area, you're kind of driving through the, the different elements of the story. But it's usually that the Mary to baby Jesus birth uh, time frame. Yeah, right after the birth, right? Well, that's the final scene. Right. That A lot of plays are, are like children's plays mm-hmm. are, are around that scene. Yes. Because uh, probably because it's an easy one. It's yeah. already done. There's... It's easy to, you know, you bring in your little shepherds and your little sheep and, you know, your little mm-hmm. angels. <laughs> and both you guys participated in those type of plays when you guys were younger. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the uh, the world's largest, I believe, annual nativity crib scene is in the uh, Museo Nazionale di San Martino in Naples. and has uh, 162 people and... 80 animals. Wow. It says angels and 450 other smaller objects, wow. which is a little vague as to what <laughs> other smaller objects means. It's a lot um, of set, though. A lot of people. Yeah, I think about like when we've gone to Disney World and they have they used to have the Osborne lights. Their the big scene at the end was the scene, the crush scene or the scene of the nativity right at the end in all in lights and they had like tons of angels over top flying over top all lit up in lights i think of in rome they have a bunch of those just kind of out at christmas time we've seen that on different shows when we were in germany at the christmas markets they had those kind of scenes just out Um, i don't think we saw any living ones Mm -hmm. that i can recall but we saw carved ones or kind of the the big sculptured ones and it's interesting because uh, it sounds like it's very uh, a very big thing in Italy, these uh, these crushes and nativity scenes. Uh, it sounds like they're all over Naples. Yeah, in fact, like we were drums. watching yeah. Christmas in Rome on the Hallmark Channel. and Lacey Last Sh- night. Nice Last night, and Lacey Chabert <laughs> was, um, was a tour guide of Rome, and she was pointing out this handcrafted crutch in the middle of the street. It was huge. It was a massive one. And she was just, like, staring at all of it. And the guy she was with was... The businessman, he was too busy to notice it, so. 
tape she it helped away. him notice. She did. Of course she did. <laughs> do you remember... Um, do you remember the ones that we were in as kids well? Um, I, it's a lot of songs. It's a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. A lot of little songs. There's, There were some that were... Um, when they were super little, when we were at Round Hill. And I think that they were little angels or little sheep. Because, you know, you, it's yes. easy to dress little kids up as, and, sheep. as sheep and angels. And they each had little songs to sing. Yeah. They weren't the main characters. They were real little at the time. And they had little musical instruments to play. Little instruments to play or little parts to talk through. So, yeah. I don't know. You probably went through three, four, five of those kinds of things. I also have a Made in Italy crutch decoration kind of a set mm-hmm. from from Italy that my mom had gotten from um, her family. The problem is, is that it has some broken pieces in it, so I don't put it out because it's it's kind of old. But I've kept it um, because you know she she had gotten it. and It was actually made in Italy. In Italy, um, it's such a big thing in Italy. I thought that was kind of cool connection. Yeah. No, I never knew that that you had that. Mm-hmm. It's just in a box downstairs. Yeah. yeah. Our the, main one is is. I think I put I put it out twice. But anyways, you were saying... I'd love to see it now that I know that that's where mm-hmm. it's from. Yeah, our, the main one that we put out is... It takes up our entire buffet. And it's one that my sister-in-law made for us. She, it was hand-painted by her. And it's incredible. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Sydney puts it out each year. Yeah, now Sydney, for the last many, many years, Sydney has put it out. And it's always... You know, kind of interesting to see how she chooses to put it out and where she ends up putting the angel. Okay, so one year I put the angel at the very back with the camel because there was no room in the end. Like, there's baby Jesus, Mary Joseph, and angel I think a wise was man. back of the line. It, he was late, so, you know. He was coming. So, it's, it's like a family joke now. And, it, yeah. and it's, But she was real cute, and she, you know, people do things differently, and it's interesting to know. It's interesting to see how somebody does something. That's just different from what you would do. That's yeah. right. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> yeah. She always likes to put somebody facing away. Because most of the time when people put the scene out, everyone's facing towards okay. the event. Notice he's always it's like everybody. one character away from the scene. No, I face like an animal away. Not somebody. Yeah, it no, is a character. A, an animal. An animal character. Animal doesn't yeah. necessarily know. Now, the other thing that's interesting about... Um, the scenes, the nativity scenes themselves, is that your friend Jean's tradition. Oh, yeah. I, I really like that. She had... Um, baby Jesus didn't arrive in the manger until Christmas Day. So she would have the wise men off in the house somewhere, and each day At they distance, would... distance, yeah. Right. They would, get, they would move closer each day, and on Christmas morning... Jesus would be there. Baby Jesus would be there. The three wise men, the shepherds and everything. But yeah, that was very interesting. That was a fun way for her to do it. Her and her right. son So to by do Christmas it. Day, the baby Jesus is now in the manger and the wise men have shown up at the, um, at the manger or at right. the stable. Yeah. I did just notice that one of the camels is facing yeah. away. I was, <laughs> I was turned around looking at it. I was like, no, it looks like everybody's, everybody's there. But then I looked toward the back. It's like, nope, he's facing <laughs> directly away from the yes. entire scene. His nose is in the hay. I was going to say, Sydney is making her little statement. <laughs> her attention to, to realism. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, so the living scene of the nativity, kind of what you were talking about uh, to begin with, is a, is a big event. Obviously, it's yeah. a lot of work and effort and time on people's parts to do it. But they... 
um, the people that do it, because they do it in the United States as well as in Europe. Yeah. Um, but it's a big thing, and they, it's a community event intended to have a, be a way to kind of, you know, the reason for the season yeah. um, to others. Every, yeah, and Evergreen Church had one. Do you mm-hmm. remember? Mm-hmm. And then they had a huge bonfire afterward. Not we, connected part of the story. They didn't, like, burn the no, set they down. Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. It was... It was so cold. I just remember mm-hmm. going through the different scenes, the different live scenes. They had animals and everything. And then afterward, that bonfire felt really good. Yeah, and a lot of them, like the kids' plays, will have kids dressing up as the animals, which yep. is a great way to have kids be able to just stand there without any lines. Yeah, right. Or moo or, or moo. Or, 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 yeah. Yeah. or um, move. But so many of these <laughs> do bring in real animals for <laughs> these nativity scenes. Like, I didn't. we had animals at our church at one point. I didn't even know we were able to get, like, just rent donkeys and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can. You, you yeah. can rent sheep and donkeys and even uh, camels. Yes. Yep. Um, so that's that's really neat. So look out for camels coming into your area. <laughs> that's right. Live nativity was probably this somewhere. Season, yeah. I think you can rent llamas too. I don't know if llamas were at the original. No, but nativity, they should be. But they're awfully cute. Beth loves llamas. That's true. <laughs> that's not true. It's her her grandma animal. It's not, and I'm not a grandma. <laughs> uh, context. Speaking of llamas, often llamas are found in Christmas cards. <laughs> they actually, they actually are. are. Yeah, yeah. Around this llamas, time, they are. Llamas are a popular Christmas animal these days. Uh, I really don't know I why. think the other day we were at, uh, what was it, Michael's, and I showed you uh, there was a little gift card with a llama with a Santa hat yes. on it. So llamas are in right now. They are. They have taken over. Mm-hmm. But yes, yes. They, I guess, they, yeah. I guess Christmas cards. I, I could see them more like stuffed animals and things like that. But well, I was in Hallmark the other day, and there were llamas on the Christmas cards. That's like you sets that had llamas on them. So over the years, we have kind of evolved our Christmas card um, tradition, right? That's true. So yeah, in the last I'd say thirty years, it's changed a lot. A lot, yeah. And not only with the development of, obviously, better cards in stores, as now, like, I can go to Target and it's, I have to stay away from that section. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's, cute. It's so cute and sparkly you and fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, actually, I have some cards downstairs, I think. Um, so I have to resist spending. So there are different ways to go about um, the Christmas card, tr- you know, Christmas tradition. Christmas and, card gathering. Christmas card, like sending out tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. One is just one is buying them in stores and you know signing them from the Moon family or whatever family you're right. from. Yeah, from the Holiday Moons podcast, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, sending them out, right? And you have to write um, all the addresses on and stick all the stamps on and sending them out. Some people like this tradition; others find it stressful. So I'm just going to share with you what. We have done for years now, probably since 2016, 2015. Now, what we do is we go onto Vistaprint and we create a Christmas card online using whatever pictures we want from the previous year. So, as the year goes by, what we do is we usually, you know, if there's a big event that we go to that we take pictures, such as Disney World, we usually think, oh, you know, this this will probably create some nice, fun pictures that we could put on our Christmas cards, and um, and usually they do. Yeah, usually they do good quality <laughs> pictures, right? And at I don't know, like after or right around Thanksgiving, we go onto Vistaprint, 
Um, Mom usually picks the template and then um, the design, the design, the words. Yeah, and that's the cool thing is that with the options that you have online now, you really have a lot of different ways that you can customize your cards and you oh can, right. yes. yeah, it's, it's crazy, but it's it is. fantastic. It is. And I'm looking at Vistaprint now and it is just, there and are he, so many templates and so many ways to design And it's not card. just Vistaprint either. There's so many different. Yeah. There's um, like Shutterfly. Yeah. There's all kinds of other places Companies, that you can yeah. go to. Yeah. And it can, you can choose between, you know, hard rustic to full glitter. I mean, and <laughs> yeah. anything in between. <laughs> Yeah. Is you you're you will find something. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so you can find templates if you're not a creative person. You can find templates that are easy to fill in. Exactly. If you are a creative person, you can kind of dive into it deeper mm-hmm. and do more uh, creating your own version of it. Right. With Even the if you are creative, you can still use the templates. No, it I cuts down. It just cuts down on time. Yeah. yeah. You can pick the template. Choose what. I mean, they usually come with sayings. But I'm sure you can change it if you really you like the can. template. Yes. You can. You can change the text. You can change the text box. You can add text boxes, take them away. Yeah. It just makes like so much easier. And colors and now, generally, when you get them, they're from like a Visprin or Sandfish. They're just like a like a two-sided thing. They're not like a full. You can't get them folded, right? Oh, no. You can. You oh, can. Yeah. Okay. You can. It's just I, the type. I okay. like the, the... Kind of the postcard style. Well, it's like a... I think it's like um, a five by seven or something like that. That kind of saw, and I like it the hard, and I like front and back. You mean you like this harder stock, right? Like paper and front and back, like photo quality front and back. Yeah. So what we usually like to do is once we pick the picture and what template we want or pictures, what we usually do is we go onto the opposite side of the card and. Our cards are usually flat. Like, like that was saying, like there are... You can get folded. We can get folded, but usually we don't. Right. Um, There's a variety of ways you can do this. Yeah. And what we do is we... And not all, and not everyone does this. And I find this right. a little sad. <laughs> because sometimes we get cards and it's basically one side. And it says Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or whatever. And it says nothing about what happened this past year for the family. Right. So you like that tradition. Some I people, really like that tradition. It's actually a, a controversial tradition as to whether or not you include family events on cards or on in notes or you don't. So what makes it controversial? Um, some people see writing all the um, successes of the family or all the events kind of as like bragging or kind of... Um, yeah, I guess mostly it would be bragging yeah. um, as a family. And I think part of this depends on how you write it. Yeah. yeah. I know we like it because we like receiving it because we're not able to keep up with everybody through the year. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's nice to see like, oh, so-and-so got married or right. graduated from college. Right. Or, you know. People that we're not as closely con- aligned with, connected with, in communications with, whatever... Um, it is a way for us to kind of keep up with them at least a little bit through the year. Right. And it, what we usually do is just put down facts. Yeah. Right. It's not about bragging. It's just about, you know, this is what happened this past year. Right. And we do, and, and I at least enjoy receiving cards that it's like, oh, this person had another kid. That's why there's, you know, four four on the picture instead of three. <laughs> <laughs> Good right. to know what the kid's name is. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, that, that's been always fun. And then... Print. I mean, they make printing so easy. You can choose matte. You can choose Glossy. gloss. You can choose flimsy or 
hardcore yep. stock. Right. Um, There's a, just this huge variety of not only shapes and sizes, mm-hmm. but finishes. Yeah. And then you can also purchase the envelopes. And what I really like is you can actually have them print your home address on the envelopes. Yeah, your return address. Yeah, so that really... That saves a lot of time. It it does. And you would think, how can it save that much time? You could just buy address... Stickers. Return address, right, Christmas one, stickers and... But it does. It just saves time. Because you have to write out the... Well, at least the way we do it, you have to write out the contact address where it's going to right and then right put now, the little postage you can stamp. do that electronically if you type it all in yeah and keep it up to date and that it can be printed out but we don't we haven't done that right so um we hand, I like to write hand it write that part yeah um in there now i don't do you write anything on the inside on the card itself i used to but i don't anymore <laughs> do <Dunno>. know <laughs> <laughs> saves time wow you know? so, so um, what happened beth <laughs> yeah. no i it just you know, it's we really we enjoy the whole Christmas card tradition. We, we enjoy do. getting them. We enjoy hearing about people's years. We enjoy even if it's just a photo. That's fun yeah. to get. And even get, if it's not any of that. Even get, if it's just a, even if it's just a card with a signature. Mm-hmm. You know that person has thought of us. Yeah, and that person has gone to the trouble to send us something, and that's just nice. Yeah, I was going to say we get a variety. We get all those. You know. Sometimes we get people that write up the full-up newsletter, which is like a few pages or a couple pages or a page kind of write up. We used to do that and put that in um, envelopes when the kids were really little. But kind of as time goes on, you you kind of lose a little bit of that. So, uh, But we still get all those, the the wide variety of types of cards. and. Um, so it's kind of fun to see all the different types. Yeah, that we receive, yeah. Right. We do. We we have gotten to the point where we basically have done bullet points on the back. Here are just some highlights of our year. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, so that's what we do. I hope it was helpful to you. If you are interested, if you, you know, look at those sites, and maybe it'll save you some time this Christmas. Yeah, yep. the sites were uh, snapfish.com and vistaprint. vistaprint.com. So the sites were Shutterfly. Yes. And Vistaprint. Snapfish is one true, too. And Snapfish is one snap. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know what you guys do and what your opinion is on the controversial topic of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Do you or do you not include that information on your carts and send us a Christmas card? Yeah, we'll have to see if this this has as much controversy as the candy corn situation. I don't think anything can have as much controversy (laughs) as the candy corn. The candy corn does have a lot of controversy. The candy corn situation, as you call it. That's That's right. That's right. So, one holiday happening I forgot to mention was today's the first day of Advent. So, happy Advent to everybody. Um, Now, by the time this gets loaded up there, it'll be beyond the third week of Advent. But still, happy Advent season. Uh, The future festivities for this uh, coming uh, period begin on December 16th. December 16th is Chocolate Covered Anything Day. December 17th is National Maple Syrup Day. On board. <laughs> December 18th is Answer the Telephone Like Buddy the Elf Day. <gasps> That's but, so fun! Do you remember what he says? Yep. Buddy the Elf, what's, what's your, your favorite, favorite color? color? <laughs> yep. December 19th is National Regifting Day. So I guess you're getting close to the Christmas giving time. You might have to regift something. December 20th is Go Caroling Day. December 21st is Humbug Day. And December 22nd is Hanukkah. 
giving up Hanukkah. As always, you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, we are at holiday moons. You can find us on Facebook. We have a page and a group by searching holiday moons in the search bar. And you can contact us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Randy, Beth, Cole, and Sydney, Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas.